Too many Battle Royale games. Which one will win? Welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. I am your host, Brett Beckin, alongside me, Mr. Sawbridges, bringing you a lucky episode 56. 56. Yeah, I'll say for those that don't know, you can find us on almost every single podcast. Hold on, Saul. There's something that we got to put in there. It's a... Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> it's the lucky they hate us. Over, I, re- winner, I know, winner. I know, but I'm putting it in there because I said I was going to take over the mantle, and then I just completely failed. Okay, I failed so. myself. So this is also me. You know, I have to redeem myself. But Saul, back to what you were talking about. If you don't know who we are, we are a Triangle Square Day PlayStation Podcast. As we said earlier, you can find us every Monday at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST on YouTube and video format or on podcast services. The majority of them still working on that Spotify. Uh, but that being said, if you like what we do on YouTube, give us a subscribe and keep the little bell notification thing so you can keep up with videos as they come out. Uh, as we've said recently, we're going to start doing more uh, every you know every month. We're going to have a monthly reader mail episode. We are going to start doing pretty much once a month as big games start to release games that me and Saul are both very interested in. Uh, impressions on those. Uh, and as, I'm working on getting a capture card too. So yeah, so we are working we on buffing get, our we may, content. We may have up. some let's plays here happening. I may I may kind of want to dive into dark. Souls 3 and do that for everybody. I think that'd be fun. But yep. uh, let so me know anyway, if, you, if you want a Dark Souls 3 Let's Play. That, that's yeah, always something Let us know on Twitter in. or down below. But yes, we will be buffing up our content, so follow us uh, in some form or fashion to keep up with that. And if you are on podcast services, uh, give us a rating, please, a review. Uh, gets our numbers up there, lets us know how we are doing, and it also lets other people find us more easily. But Saul, without further ado... Good sir, what have you been playing this week? We know the answer, but so, we're going to go ahead and say it. We do. Um, God of War, obviously. We're not going to say much about that at all. That's going to be left for our impressions video that should come out either later this week or the very beginning of next. We're going to film it um, this coming out Wednesday, so two days after the podcast released. It may come out on Thursday or Friday. I don't know. Me and Brett, we need to talk about that the day of. But um, other than God of War, me uh, and Joe have been playing Fortnite about like Two nights this week, three nights maybe. Did so you I, hop back in? Because I know there was a little period where you were saying that you were, after playing both uh, Fortnite and PUBG, that you were swinging more towards the PUBG side and, and yourself. I, and I still do, yeah. It's just having a friend with Fortnite is great, and I figured that my biggest complaint with Fortnite is the building. And obviously with such a thing, you can get better at building. So I just thought instead of complaining about it, just want to get good at it and the meta which is yeah i think you actually said that last episode Uh, so i guess you're doing better i sure did yeah uh, it's we actually got a victory royale me and joe did in duos which i did not clip the entire thing unfortunately i did clip like the last part when it was down to me and me and joe and two other people so don't think it's worthy of a youtube video but who knows might upload that to twitter because i thought it was pretty cool the way we won but um other than that really it i haven't played darkest dungeon on my switch this week at all um let me think that's really actually about it. What about you? Besides God of War, we all we all know. Yeah, right. Yeah, God of War. Okay, so first things first. Uh, of course, God of War. But I only have played a cumulative probably five hours. I played right before Saul got here today, uh, and I played. Let's see. Uh, I played four or so hours night of release. So Thursday night into. Uh, <laughs> into Friday morning. But here's the crazy thing. I went to bed at like one thirty. On uh, on that was that was about technically Friday morning. Yeah, that but the was thing about is, I went to bed right, so I'm laying down. My time. I'm laying down. I'm sitting there, and I didn't fall asleep until like two thirty. Because like for a whole hour, I was just still like 
excited and hyped about God of War. So I was like, yeah. I can't sleep. I'm just in here in bed thinking about what I'm going to do next. Uh, so that was the majority of it. The rest of this week was kind of playing catch up and getting prepared. Uh, it was my anniversary this weekend, uh, or at least a ce- celebration anniversary. It's actually tomorrow. Uh, but we went to Hot Springs and relaxed. So I did not get to play a lot of uh, God of War, but that's okay. That's It's for a good reason. And I will catch up. Hopefully have it beat by Wednesday and we can get that impressions done. So that's about it. I can't think of any other thing. I was going to try and play my Vita at some point and didn't get around to it because I found it and it was dead. And I was like, darn. Um but there is one game I need to pick up, and it, we were looking for some reason. I can't remember what I ran across last year. I need to be uh, pick up Jolton. You know, speaking of Norse mythology, it's a game that uh, is by the people that did um, Sundered, and oh. it has similar art style, and it looks really cool. And I bet to get it uh, afterwards. It's like Jolton with a U. J-O-L-T-U-N, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Uh, but anyway, that's what I'm planning on doing. So, Saul, uh, you can go ahead and hop into the drop. Sure thing. For those that don't know, The Drop is a list consisting of our weekly releases coming out, of course, the week of this podcast. We um, we do these, and it's pretty fun. We hope you guys enjoy it. If not, there's always timestamps in them below, so you can skip this part. We have, number one list, Cluster Tumble for PS4. Code 51 Mecha Arena for PSVR. That looks cool. It, yeah. I saw a video of it earlier. It looks cool. Now, again, VR things are kind of hard to show off in trailers. Always are. Uh, but I'm, I'm actually like, eh, because there's just so much to play on my VR already. Yeah. I still want to go back and get the platinum for Moss, but that's going to have to come after God of War. But and that's, uh, that's another big, big week for VR titles and Vita titles. Oddly enough, we have cosmic star heroin for PS Vita. We have dead secret for PS VR. We have death road to Canada for PS four DVS dungeon for PS four and Vita, which is a cross by title. Of course, dream angling for PS VR. Emily Wants to Play 2 for PS4. Jolt Family Robot Racer for PS4. Just In Time Incorporated for PSVR. MLB Home Run Derby VR for, of course, PSVR. Pick a Picks Color for PS4 and PS Vita, another cross-buy title. We have Psychedelica of the Black Butterfly for PS Vita coming out not only digitally but physically as well. We have Rick and Morty Virtual Rickality for PSVR. For retail. Retail coming Which is out. now when I'm going to get it. I was going to buy it digitally, but I decided. I was like, I'm going to wait because while I'm going to like this game and I want to enjoy it, I know that after I get done with it, I'm trying to make a concerted effort to be smarter with my money this year. Right. So one of the things I'm doing is taking games that I've either platinumed or know that I'm just not going to play again. And trade them in. And trading them in. So okay. that's why I'm going to buy it that way, just like I bought the Batman Enemy Within uh, this weekend physical, because I was like, as soon as I'm done with it, I'm just going to trade it in. I'm not going to play the, the Telltale games again. They're not that compelling. They're good. Right. But you just play through them once. You have your version of the story, and you go on about your business. But continue. Right. We have uh, Space Jack for PS4. Survive Mr. Cube for PS4. The Swords of Ditto for PS4, a game that looks really cool. To Leave for PS4, and that's the last game on the list. I really wish Swords of Ditto would have got a Vita release. I really I'm wish sure it, that I it wouldn't have been able to, because there's a lot of people talking about how hard it is to develop on Vita now as it's as it's aging and the, the hardware is even weaker. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's unfortunate, because I remember when they showed it off at PSX, I was like, this is just a game that looks like it would do so well for me on the Vita. Like, yeah. it, it looks like one of those games that's at home for it. But And, of course, it does not come out on the Switch either, which is sad. Oh, is that what you were looking for? At yeah. least you can get your handheld experience out of it? Yeah, because that's a game I'd definitely play on a handheld. Yeah, no, the game, looks, the game looks really fun. So. so, Brett, why don't you go ahead and drop into the weekly news? I shall. Uh, this one is the very first thing. I know that there's a couple of listeners, uh, Liam, World End, a couple, and maybe Josh as he uh mr shoop as he's 
finishing up the game, but I think he's had a little bit of He's taking a break with it. But Netflix, The Witcher Show, has received some info with the producers sharing some tidbits. First and foremost, the show and the games will be completely independent of each other. No surprise to me, but they did have fans asking. Uh, the first season will consist of eight episodes. Each episode will clock in at around an hour, and she has plans for future seasons if the first season is well-received. Uh, as for release, they are currently looking at a 2020 release window, but they said that they don't want to rush it because they'd rather have a really good product to show, which I I applaud. So, you yeah. know, it's pretty cool. She was actually talking about, you know, one of the questions that I thought was an interesting question of what they could do, and who knows, they still might, but it sounds like it got shut down, is uh, would there be any... Uh, kind of nods to the game, not necessarily in story or character or connection, but just like a, a weapon or a piece of armor that's named or designed after the way it looks in the game. Uh, and she shut it down and said that, you know, they are 100% independent and will not share any kind of stuff, which is unfortunate because I think that that's something easy to do to pay homage. I mean, she did say uh, that the, that the, while the games were fantastic and had a great vision, they just needed to exist separately from each other, which I do agree right. with. But to an extent... A lot of The Witcher's success is owed to the video games in terms of it as a franchise, as an IP. I mean, yes, the books have been going, and a lot of people have went from the games to get the books, even people that we've talked to. Like, I think Liam said he's gotten the books, or yeah. if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, you know, you see people getting the books, reading them in, in response to how good they thought the game was, and that means the game is really the, the pulling-in medium for what people are expecting. I just think it's it's a little weird that you know they want to go ahead and shut that down instead of being like, hey, who knows? When it comes to filming, maybe we will do something like that. But uh, that's that. Next up, Saul, this one may pertain to you a little bit. Uh, a recent Destiny 2 developer update had the game's senior designer talking about the new Warmind expansion, which I didn't even know existed. So, uh, The new expansion aims to rebalance the game's grind and make the process of reaching level caps more of a challenge and an attempt to capture some of the, game's, uh, the first game's magic, uh, which, I mean... I, f I feel like as an idea that sounds good to you, but he can they continue on. So what they were saying is that the expansion will introduce a soft level cap of 340 with the hard level cap being 380. To rebalance things, public events will no longer hold lucrative rewards as they've been known to in recent months. Instead, the best gear will come only from rage and trials while low-tier gear can be earned through clan ingrams. The, uh, they've designed the grind, and this was a very specific standout, they've designed the grind from 370 to 380 to test the patience and skills of even who even the most seasoned players um so, so it's super interesting um because they're basically reverting the level system for the last 10 levels back to destiny one which is the hardest levels to get i'll tell you that in destiny one i never completed more than three raids i think and it took me until like six months of destiny two coming out to hit level 400 maybe a little bit before that but 400 yeah. Of Destiny 2? Destiny 1. Okay, sorry. Talk about Destiny 1. Maybe I did say Destiny 2. I, I think I'm talking you about did, Destiny. Talk about Destiny 1 here. Uh, and it was only until they introduced Sparrow Racing that I finally got the stupid ghost that let me get to 400. Um, Actually, I was playing Fortnite with Joe yesterday, and he was talking about this. He says that the way it's shaping up and the way that some of the Destiny YouTubers are talking about it, that it's pretty much reverting the game to Destiny 1 Final state, the the state in which Destiny One was left, and the, after the state all was said of and the done. state of what Destiny Two should have launched in yeah, for so most people's opinions. So. I'm definitely going to check it out. I'm going to look into a couple of the Destiny YouTubers that I know of that I trust, like Datto, and I'm going to see what he thinks about it and see if it's worth me downloading again. Joe keeps pressing me to download it. He actually has said that Destiny Two's 
Uh, Crucible is a lot better now. He said that it's as of right now, like he's been playing, and he said it's been he's been it's just been real fun. So we'll see um, if yeah. it's enough to make me jump back in full time. Who knows? I can pretty much tell maybe, you this is not. this is steering away because while I can agree that maybe the game was too easy and and lacked any reason to want to keep playing, at the same time going towards that grind, it was one of the things I didn't like about Destiny One, uh, and I just don't want to give that much time to a game. So while I get while people who prefer this games as a service idea of constantly giving you more and more and making you want to continuously play it over a full year. I just can't. It, it starts the to good, lose me. The good news about this is, is that, that they are specifically letting you know that the high-tier stuff comes from raids and trials, which is good now because the raids are easily... Or raid is easy, easily accessible right. uh, with the matchmaking. So it actually looks like it might have some value to it because if me and you and Joe are playing, we can't find other three people, we'll just hop into matchmaking and all use our mics, which is something that's interesting. I'm curious to see these last 10 levels and how difficult they can be with that kind of thing. So Yeah, it just basically means that I won't want to hop in if I know I can't even get to what would be considering complete. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, yeah. I, we'll see yeah, whether or not. It's going to be interesting. I, if I go back, we'll judgment. see. Yeah, I'll hold judgment on whether I'll jump back And in. there's probably, what I, what, I, what I do like about us taking a break from Destiny since like a month, two months after it came out. Probably, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Um, is that they have updated the game a lot and added a lot of stuff. Like I think the first deal, no, it'll is feel out fresh. Now, so to it'll you. feel, yeah. yeah, it'll feel. Yeah. They'll have different stuff there to explore first. So yeah, we, we yeah, because none of us did the uh, whatever one from Mars, Curse of Osiris, Curse of Osiris, yeah. Uh, whatever it added, I can't remember. Mercury, something. Uh, next up, Capcom appeared to be working on a new Dead Rising game. This announcement comes via a blog post, uh, in which sorry about that. I hate when you do that. So. <laughs> Anyway, in which the devs talked about closing the servers for their iOS Android title Puzzle Fighter starting July 31st and refocusing their efforts on their flagship Dead Rising franchise. Uh, so nothing more than that, but I thought it was interesting. They specifically said uh, Dead Rising. Uh, and Apparently Dead Rising 4 was received really terribly. Really? Um, so yeah, it's, it's even more surprising that they're coming back. Yeah, I was... Uh I was looking into it because it's either free on Humble Bundle this month or it's on part of the early deals for next month. And like people were saying that it's like, you know, if you want something that's mind numbing, play it. But other than that, it's not fun. Yeah, I've thought that about the entire Dead Rising series, to be honest. The first one was creative, and it was fun for the novelty, but that novelty wore off after a couple hours. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, next up, DayZ is still coming to consoles. I was talking to someone about this the other day. Uh, but will launch on Xbox One first, as PlayStation lacks an early access program. They plan for the final release to launch on both consoles same day. Uh, I do think that the lack of an early, uh, early um, you know, um, access program has been weird for them because... This is not. This is far from the first time that games have come out on Xbox first after even being announced for consoles on PlayStation side. Right. So and then they jump around and it's that. Don't be wrong. I guess. I mean, I do have a somewhat like I wish that games weren't weren't launching in an early access state personally but i know for the people that are fans of them and like to feel like their feedback is shaping the final release that they enjoy that it could yeah it kind of um, give them some gratitude no it's like a it's like a back and forth i don't really know how i feel about it but i it, it is an interesting thing and i whether or not sony should have a, a early access is beyond me i mean they have to have some reason i mean i don't know if it's for a quality thing like well if you release on ours it's going to be a game that's finished in quality but we already see yeah, thousand best rated or that game was slipped through the cracks somehow well yeah but it's a game that worked but still it's it, it does show that it's inconsistent with their well, yeah. with their you know because i mean at this point i think that low quality games is something they may be worried about but at the same time there's a, there's a quite a few low quality games well you, i mean and even then i mean you're talking about what, what's the uh, arc arc still runs bad on consoles 
See, does it? The, the amount of people I see play it is amazing for that. Oh like, yeah, no, I but I mean, they, I basically hear people across the board say, "Yeah, I wish it ran better." It already and like definitely when they announced it for phones, like it oh runs. Gosh. It runs at if I'm not mistaken. This is just getting the weird stuff. I want to look in after this just to be sure. But I think even on PlayStation Four, it runs at like 720p, <sighs> upscaled 1080. So anyway, it's one of those weird things. It's a poorly optimized game from what I've heard, and I've not played it yet. I would have played it if they would have kept their promise about VR, but they did not. So hey. Uh, Next up, in a recent interview, Marvel's Bill Roseman mentioned that while they are currently focused on making the best single game they can with Spider-Man from Insomniac, they aren't against the idea of a Marvel Games universe. Uh, The interview also goes on to reveal that New York in this game is part of the Marvel universe, and they are not shying away from that, so it will feature buildings, locations, and names that aren't aren't necessarily tied into a traditional Spider-Man story, but do hint at the idea that this is a Spider-Man game taking place in a larger universe in world now they're not necessarily yeah, that saying works. that there will be one story and he went on to talk about like even when they started with the uh, Iron Man movies a lot of people were like well there was the intent and like yeah the intent was a little bit there but it's really just focusing on making a good Iron Man movie and then that Nick Fury scene was just slapped on to, just I don't to know say about hey that. well I mean I don't know he's been with the company for a long they time did hire, but- they did have to pay Samuel Jackson probably a million dollars to appear in that just to do five that seconds. Scene? Yeah, yeah, but sure. Um, I'm just saying. I don't that. know if I like that. I don't think that that's how that should work. I, think. I don't know either. I don't. Um, I don't. I don't like that. Like I don't. To me, I think Spider Man's going to work perfect as it is, and then maybe a Spider Man series. If it, I know it's going to do well, but maybe a Spider Man series if the story lends itself for it. We already said. They already said we won't have Venom, so that could be a potential person. But I don't want to have to play through a Hulk game. Like I mean, think about it. I'll, Superhero games for the past, like, two decades have always been low quality if it's not Spider-Man. Think of another good superhero game. Well, but game. honestly, even... The we, Iron Man game for 360? Well, now, are you talking about our Marvel side? Because we're not... We're obviously not... Our we're, Marvel side. Yeah, because we're obviously... DC, because you got Arkham games on, on DC. While and, I didn't play it, I will say this. One of the games that everybody... And it's, it's a Marvel character, nonetheless. But one of the games that people always talked about loving was Wolverine. Uh, the X-Men Origins Wolverine game. I had that on Game Boy Advance. Yeah. There was an X Men. I don't know if it's Origins, but it was it, X-Men. no, it wasn't Origins. The Game Boy Advance was dead by the I was time Origins. X Men. Uh, it was a Wolverine game for Game Boy Advance, and it was amazing. It was super fun. It was a side scroller. Um, but yeah, I should state that I do mean Marvel games. I should mean Marvel single hero games, not Marvel Ultimate Alliance because that's a dungeon crawler. Um, hey, a good idea in my mind. To be honest, I've never played no, them. No, but I'm not saying th- that's what I'm specific. That's what I'm specifying. Those I'm not talking about. And I'm there are a lot of people that love the Hulk game. Here we go. It's Wolverine. It's X2 Wolverine's Revenge. Okay. That's it right there. Seth well, will probably remember that if he listens. Um, oh God. Anyway, but, but you know, there was a lot of people that really liked the Hulk game back on GameCube and PS2. Like where you could just pick crap up and throw it around and destroy stuff. Not my bag, but you know, that's one of those. Isn't things. that like a, basically the Godzilla game that came out? Uh, sure. <laughs> destroy all creatures, destroy all monsters or something. Yeah, who knows. Uh, but, anyway, next up, recent HDR update for The Witcher 3 on PS4 Pro has caused some players to have issues with draw distance and general performance. Uh, CD Projekt Red have stated that they are looking into the problem and aim to fix it as soon as possible. I believe them. They've always done so. Uh, and they've continued to support that game in a way that's just crazy. The fact that the, the console, the, the pros even getting an update for it is insanity to me. And the people who can run that at 4K, I just want to like, let you know that I want your wallet because there was a launch and I forgot if it's I'm pretty sure it's 4K uh, 1440 frames per second HDR monitor it's like 4 grand. Oh 144 hertz. Yeah, this is a 4K monitor with uh HDR oh, that's, that's only $500. Hey, so next thing up though, remember last week we talked about this guy Refine? 
We sure did. The Disgaea remake has been announced for the West as Disgaea 1 complete in contrast to Disgaea Refined. Uh, so, same game. But the game will have a collector's edition available with official soundtrack, art book, enamel pin set, printing, coasters, two tear-resistant posters, which I assume are probably like a silk screen, a printing plush shaped like a cube, a mouse pad that has a woman's face that goes down in this. Yeah, it's one of them booby mouse pads. <laughs> I'm sure and, Liam loves those. Yep, and of course, uh, the game comes with it as well, all for $99.99, and it is set to release this fall, and yes, all you've already seen, it's for the Switch, so you can get it where you no, want it. I am, there is some back story with this game. This is the first Disguy game I ever played. I played it first on the Nintendo DS, and then I played it again on the PSP, and I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it, and it was super good, and it is tons of fun, too. That's where I first fell in love with the printies, and I loved it. Okay, I got you. Yeah, no, the printies are awesome. I forgot. That it has a I did weird not know that game. game. Uh, Hour of Darkness. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that the I didn't know that the game released on DS. Though I played it on PSP. Yeah. Anyway, I, um, it actually looked and played pretty decent. I, well, I mean, you, I'm sure that the art style for those games sure, lend themselves well to handhelds. Well, somebody and I don't remember where. I think I might have saw it on a Reddit thread about when it came out, but um, it was a remake, okay, so, or not a remake, but like a I don't know, one of those weird compilation style ones they do. Somebody I saw one that they said that they're selling for like three hundred dollars for the DS version, and it's right here for twenty thirty six dollars. So that's not bad. I don't know where <laughs> that guy got his information, but yeah, uh, who knows, man. Anyway, next up, fighting game Brawl Out was announced to be coming to PS4 this summer. The game plays in the same vein as Smash Bros. and PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale, but adds mechanics from games such as Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter with the inclusion of weighty hits and combo breakers. The PS4 version will feature the protagonist of Hyperlight Drifter, Juan from Guacamelee, and a third indie game character that is currently unannounced which I'm really curious to see who it's going to be I don't know I've heard very mixed things about the game but uh, yeah I've heard a couple people who like it on the switch I've heard a couple people that hate it um, I'm just super excited for the hyper light drifter main character if you've never played that game just play it I absolutely gotta play that it's game it looks awesome top three best indie games of all time in my opinion okay that's super hefty good. words no it's very it's a hefty game and last up Firewatch developer Campo Santo have joined Valve they will continue work on their latest game in the Valley of Gods they hey, they showed off last year uh, so I think it was either at E3 or something I can't remember but I do I remember seeing was. the trailer yeah, it, so. was, it looked it looked okay. Yeah, not a, yeah I know you're not a big uh, Campo Santo fan. So, no, yeah, uh, it's just everything that happened with PewDiePie. I think that they, you know, they they did something that was kind of you can go either I got way. You, I got you. I mean, I know. I, I'm, it's I'm with just you. something that's but irritating. So, you guess what we got to do, man? Read a mail. Read a mail. Sure. So for those that don't know, every episode we answer three of your questions that you post on Twitter. But where do you post them on Twitter? You may ask. Every Friday, we have a reader mail tweet that goes up, and you, of course, can ask us a question. If you do not hear your questions answered in the current episode, do not fret, my boys my, and girls. We will have a reader mail episode where we answer every single one of these questions. I've been banking every single one we do not answer, and we will have a pretty fun episode full of those. Um, specifically, and I don't want to demean anybody from asking a question, but if you ask a question that's more of a general one, we those are more easy to save. 
And if you ask a question more topical to what's currently in the news, that's a more que- easy question to answer for the consistency of the show. I will still but, say I'll choose questions based off of how interesting of a question. No, that's what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to choose one always. that I know is a little bit more of personal, and I'm going to go ahead and start with it because I think it is a I think it's a fun question just in general. Sure. Uh, Nate Lloyd, Mr. Scorpion Wild, uh, asked Brett as a basis, do you have any recommendations for someone interested in getting started playing? I've always been into rhythm instruments, which I assume is drums, uh, and I think bass would be the best fit for me for a stringed instrument i assume i live in a townhome so drums are out of the question apologies i've already asked okay so he's got he so have you played drums that's interesting anyway yeah, if, so i i think he just means that he likes the idea of rhythm instruments i will say though something that he needs to take into consideration is his amp because yes. even if you plug in headphones it's bass you're gonna have bass um would you recommend what i'm gonna recommend a guitar amp uh no, so it doesn't uh, have because it's not going to blow that thing out. I I don't. I think you get a bass amp and then you just understand where to go. And there's a where lot of things you can do that you can put it on that would let the uh, vibrations that are going to inevitably come from it, um, you know, kind of wiggle down. I don't be wrong. Regardless, he lives in a townhome. That does not mean you're going to have as many problems. If he's playing bass and he's playing it small or with headphones on, there's ways to get around it more right. so than drums. A towel under it. Perhaps so yeah, would be no, the different best things option. to help get the uh, yeah because it will. I mean, if you get a decent and you really want because one of the things about bass that you'll love is that you feel bass uh, and I'll say that one of the things you can do to help with this because of the fact that you can't go very loud uh, used to whenever I had that restraint as well I'd actually sit on top of my amp so that you can feel the vibrations which kind of that played in with the sound that you're actually picking up from your ears it creates a nice feeling and it lets you feel it without having to be you know without having to have it cranked and where normally you'd be sitting across from it and still feel it there's a it's one of those weird interesting things where when bands are recording a lot of times they have problems with the bassist wanting to record inside of the uh, recording booth area because and they leave their amps out in the uh, mic rooms right because they can't feel what the bass is doing and it messes with their heads. That's something yep. that it's really interesting. There's a lot of basses that opt it to sit off their in equilibrium in yeah. a way. Yeah. I, it's just one of those. I guess it's because you when you learn to play, you're learning at with that feeling. It's like, it's like when you're when you're listening and you have a monitor in your yep. ear and you're listening and, you, and you're having to hear what you're playing back, or even when you're talking in a headset, which is why I like the Sony Golds because you can't hear yourself. You can hear yourself. That's true. And That's you don't true. throw yourself off. Uh, anyway, my recommendations would be if you're looking to get a bass, don't go crazy. Basses are something that you can learn on pretty cheaply. The very first bass I ever got was a Originally, like $175 bass. I still have it, actually. It's a, I, I like the bass. All right. I got it on sale for like 75 bucks off Amazon one day. Uh, and I was like, I just needed to record with back when I was doing uh, other stuff. Ended up loving it. Um, so I would say get something cheap. Uh, Rogue, if you can get a Silvertone. Or, um, and Silvertone are made by someone I can't think for the life of me what the brand is actually called uh, right now. Um, it's not a PRS, but it's something in the, in the in the vein of you know letters. But that being said, get like a Rogue or something like that. Maybe even an Ibanez, Rogue, cheaper Rogue Ibanez. Rogues are typically uh, around eighty bucks. They're pretty and, good. Price. Yeah, just get you something that's cheaper to start on, and then I say invest once you know where your real interest lies, and get you a base that is you know a base amp that is somewhere in the ballpark of at least. You know, they're they're expensive because of what they are. They are bigger speakers. Uh, and my biggest thing, and I know that Josh had a lot of stuff where he was talking about different things to play along with. Uh, playing along with is is something really good. Uh, but my real advice is to start off, uh, just start kind of learning what the notes are, start learning the fret and what the musical alphabet is on the fret so you can learn what notes are where. Uh, and then you take that forward. It gives you a little bit better of an understanding. It's not hard, and you'll get used to actually being able to play. Whether you want to do picked bass or finger, you know, plucked bass, is in preference. Entirely up to you. I, don't I, let anybody I, tell I you go otherwise. between the two of them. Do not be told that you're not a real bass player because you don't want to use your thumb to, you know, I'm going to interject it's, here. 
you know, I know how to play bass too. I can't stand it when I read comments saying, "Oh, he's playing with a pick. He sucks," or yeah. he doesn't know how to play. Well, no, no. They're, they're different sounds. It really they does. Are. It depends on what you're aiming for. And see, another thing. Speaking of what you're aiming for, your pickups. Oh. Either get jazz pickups, or you could get a hybrid too. You can get humbuckers. And, well, I was gonna say or humbuckers. Yeah. Okay. I was I was gonna say, say, it doesn't matter because you have precision jazz and humbuckers and. One thing that I really like... When you're learning, it doesn't matter. You're not going to know the difference. Yeah, and I was going to say, this right here is what I'm looking at. A musician's friend, they have a Rogue XL200B. It's 150 bucks, but it's a hybrid. It has both precision and bass pickups, and you have a knob that you could turn and, and pick which ones you want to use. Um, I don't know how much you know about bass, so I'm going to say, if you don't know how to already, learn how to read music. If you... Uh, there is... What was it called? You're not going to um, read music. Learn how to read tabs to get you started off the too, ground. Yeah. And, and I want to wrap this up. I don't want to go too long with it, because it's a very long... I could go forever. But uh, start learning just how to go between your strings, go between your frets, start real slow, just sit on the couch while you're watching TV and double up and just start moving your hand to different spots and, and, see, I don't know and his, learning things. his past either, because I don't know if he yeah, already knows sure. how to play guitar. But if that's where your starting point needs to be, then do that. And then the other thing I would say is, if you're going to choose to play along with songs, uh, think of songs that you can hear the bass and you know they're a little simpler. But then as you continue to get comfortable with that, always push yourself by starting to choose a new song that you like that you think will push you uh, as a player to where it's it's a challenge for you and you're having to learn a new technique or perfect a technique to play the song right. Uh, and I think that, that is kind of what Josh goes into. So, I mean, I think those are important things. But so, yeah. next question, you choose one. Sure. I'm going to do one more little input on that part. If you like Blink-182... Some of their songs are incredibly easy to Literally, learn. Literally, really very fun. great. Yeah, very great to, to learn. Um, especially all the small things. That's a really easy song to learn. I haven't played bass in, since we were at your house practicing that one day for you. For And we were just kind of dicking around. And I still know how to play all the small things on bass if, if I had it in my hand right yeah, now. Yeah, sure. Um, and I haven't played in so long. Um, next question up. We have No Fate. It seems single-player games are not dead. God of War is a technical marvel and a turning point in gaming history. How do you think this will impact the game industries in years to come? I don't think it will. I think that some developers, they're always going to have that thought of they don't like linearity. And well, I, think- I don't even think it's that. I mean, because I think what he's saying, game industry, yes, there is a, there's a mixture. And, and it may be where you're going, and I apologize for, for bringing it, but I, I, I'll see if it's what you're going through, and then I'll just let you finish. Uh, while the devs are one thing, and what the devs want to work on is important, it is a business as well, and a lot of devs right. are not quite granted the freedom to work on whatever they want to, sadly. So with that being said, there's got to be, it, it comes down to what publisher in, interests are. So how does God of War impact publisher interest is what I would say, and Saul, what's your answer to that? Uh, it, it, has, it does have a lot to do with publisher interest, but if you go back and look at past games in recent history, you'll learn that not a lot of games, even though they could be technical marvels, inspire developers to make games in the same vein. Um, I've learned that no matter what, most developers are going to stick with what they do best. It's not really going to create a mold that's going to get the developers out of that. It's very rare that you see that, and it's even rarer that you see a developer admit to a certain game on why they changed their formula. So when you think about last gen, you think of Last of Us. Not that many games even tried to emulate that somewhat of a formula. Um, and it, it's especially after it broke out. And the same thing goes for God of War. It, there's a lot of games that follow this similar structure. I don't think that any game developers are going to go into it and see it as and go out of their way to make something similar. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's already kind of a it's a linear. Action RPG, I could say. Sure, but I think his question is, you know, single-player games in general. So it doesn't necessarily mean that God of War, you know, follows that thing, but it's it's single-player in general. See, because I get what he's saying is that there's there's this big move towards this service game thing. You're going towards all these games trying to be services, but 
two things that I think are important in this is that this is not the first time in recent and re, and even the past year that got that um, that Sony has put out a game that was a single player masterpiece by consideration exactly uh, or in general because I mean even though I don't think the game is a masterpiece. Uh, as far as general consensus is that Legend of Zelda is another game that has no multiplayer component that was given just ridiculous praise. Mario Odyssey as well. Sony did so with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. We see Nier Automata break out and do really well and, and surprise for everybody. We have games like Hellblade that are still winning awards and did pretty well in a single-player-only experience. We're seeing all this while on the top of that, yes, Overwatch continues to do this games as a service idea well, but what did we see? We saw EA at least in terms of the general consensus from people who are, I don't want to say, obviously a lot of people still bought the game, and it only hurt the game sales by about a million, but the public eye, if you look, it looked like EA really took a back step with uh, the way that they ended up handling Star Wars Battlefront 2. And then not only that, and recently they literally have said that they realized they, they... took a wrong step with Battlefront 2 and promised to be better. This is a very recent tweet that they said, or even an interview, whatever it was, uh, where they specifically mentioned this. So, I mean, obviously EA looks at this. All the people that are doing these games of a service that are not doing well, like we see with, uh, I mean, if you look at um, uh, Sea of Thieves, is another game that launched, did not do very well as a, as a games as a service. Uh, and there's more than just reasons of it being a, a lack of, or, or, you know, pay to win or anything like that. It's a lack of content. But across the board, you see it. And I think God of War does resonate enough to get enough publishers to make sure that they at least have some game that's like, doesn't matter how much money or how much time we put into it, as long as from the beginning there is a promise that it can be something even remotely special and that we see that this can pay off in spades, not only from a monetary standpoint, which is what businesses are most concerned about, but, but from also a from standpoint. a fan service and, and a general public opinion because if it doesn't matter if a game sells really well when your public opinion goes to hell because eventually that that good that the sales are going to go as your public opinion starts to wither right and then next the next game you don't have that great public eye of oh man this developer always does a really good job they always make sure they treat their people well we're going to continue to buy well and i think there's a mass misconception as well um because he says it seems single player games are not dead and the and i've seen a lot and i do mean a lot in terms of Gaming journalists, gaming websites, and other places that say that, you know, are our, our single player games dead? That's the most, I'm going to say this, not exactly, not exactly subjectively, but mainly objectively, but that's false. Um, oh, no. I, and they're, they're asking the question. I will say to an extent that this is clickbait. I mean, that no, it, oh, it, yeah. is the yeah, idea it behind it. It certainly is. But um, it's not a question that doesn't merit any any asking because we do see a high rise in games of a service. And we're seeing right, but the, we're seeing so many people move towards that model that, I mean, like a lot of Ubisoft games going forward are trying to have some form of a pay as a, of a games as a service model. Well, we see and, it with Far Cry 5 currently. Well, yeah, but you see... That and this is kind of hitting on the main topic here in a little way too. Um, that this game came out and did this, and you've seen Bethesda, Nintendo, you've seen uh, Microsoft, as we talked about last episode. Congratulate uh, Sony and um, Santa Monica on this. So here's the thing, though, is that you're still seeing more battle royale games coming out. You're not seeing games like this come out because it's well, typically. We'll, not, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll it's get into not that. typically the trend. 
And that's where it deviates. Is and that, I will say that it's that it's not it's it's not though, and, that's the, and it may not be the trend. But here's the reason. But it is the, the back. The battle royale trend is something that's easy to hop on and make a game. As we say, as we see with Radical Heights, it's a game that was put together in six months. Wasn't that what Five they said? Months. Five months. Okay. Passion. So project. you are looking at a game that got, that you can throw together and release in an unfinished state if you even wanted to, yeah. and just release it. It's that the battle royale thing is a is a. It's a trend that you can easily hop on right. and have a product and on. And this is not. The idea of God of War is that God of War is something that stewed for four to five years. Exactly, which is why... Just I th- like Horizon. Which is so. why I think this... this I think that it's not going to impact the game industry in the years to come. This is what I'm going to say. It's going to it's going to have some form of impact in the game industry for the years to come, and partially because, I mean, you're, you're hearing people say that this is literally the best game they've ever played, and I literally... I heard somebody say it today. Oh, no, yeah. Which you, heard, you heard the same thing about uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, though, and sure, that didn't... Sure, that's, but, that still hasn't... Studios are still doing the same thing they've been doing, but, it's not impacted it yet because, like I'm saying, since they take a long time, we are just not going to see the results of the impact that it's having for years to come because of the projects that are going to be going undertaking this style for the people that are going to try and go that route. It's going to take time for them to get ready. I guess so. So I, I, don't, I don't think you see the reactions of this for at least another two years. It's hard to say, though, because... And I mean, we could be completely wrong, or right. I could be completely wrong. I mean... And I could be, too. But, like, when you think about it, when you think of the gems as last year, you don't... I mean, last gen... You don't really see much, like, other than the Soulsborne genre. You don't really see much that has inspired to be that other than Battle Royale lately. Because what God of War fits into, and I'm saying this with love because I absolutely love this game, is that it's a standard, linear, single-player experience that is an action RPG. And there's a lot of those. Shadow of War. You have tons of well, these. So yeah, I, don't I think, get what you're saying now. And, and the problem with using the word linear these days is that linear has almost gone out of the window. Well, as a, yeah, as a full because I even, even you can of say, War to an extent is not exactly linear. No, you can say like the order is is a linear game because it is. It's a, it is a game that has there, a yeah. There's a good difference between linearity and corridors and linearity and and this wide this wide linear that they've yeah. been calling it, which I mean, uh, so or, or hub worlds, right? It's kind of what they are. And I mean, even then, I don't consider because. I haven't gotten to it yet, and I'm not. I'm not going to say where I am in the story or whatever. I'm ten hours, twelve hours in. I feel like I feel like I'm farther um, for the amount of the, the game the game has given me. Um, but there is at a point when in which the game opens up, and it's not like Final Fantasy 13, 50 hours in. Um, but I will say that it's kind of hard to say that just because the that what God of War is the formula of God of War is very very basic at its roots. Except the the story. I have one more thing in when you're done. Is, yeah. What is my computer doing? Um, okay, but yeah, it's it's a fantastic game. I'm not insulting it. I'm not trying to insult it. I love it. But when you take God of War and you tear it down to what it really is, that's not a formula that developers are just going to hop onto. That's not something that people are going to hop onto because you need good writers, which Santa Monica obviously has, um, and I don't think Microsoft has any left. Because you don't see these great exclusives from Microsoft. They're focused on games as a service, CFDs and such. And a lot of the games and that Nintendo actually... does what they want to do anyways. They're not going to be impacted by anything. They don't care. <laughs> they just do what Nintendo does. But so, and Nintendo's aren't really Nintendo's tend to be from a gameplay side. Nintendo doesn't do strong narrative. They never really yeah, been good I don't at think it. So this will be my last Majora's bit. Mask maybe is the only strong narrative. The I've one thing seen. that you can for sure see that this is already affecting things. Other than like Final Fantasy games. But go ahead. But the the one thing that you can tell that this that there is already some kind of an effect happening is a, a 
a game that was announced in a perfect window of when things happened and they see the reactions to all these things that you start to see the game adjust. So one of the things that you see with not necessarily God of War, but single player games in general, or even story driven games, that's where I'm going to go with this for a second, narrative driven games, is that you see people getting upset with games that are launching and trying too hard to cater towards the idea of a service. So what have you seen? You've Now you've seen Anthem here recently talk about going back and making sure that delaying the game even more to ensure that the game has a very good story and right. a very adequate story. Now, whether that comes to fruition or not, who well, knows? Yeah, we'll but see. We, but we've had them admit that that is a part of the reason that Anthem is changing and shaking up to adjust to what people are doing. And some of that comes from how the, the Star Wars Battlefront thing, and some of it comes from seeing stories with very strong narratives do well. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's been almost a decade since Bioware has made a good game with a good narrative. That's Mass Effect 2. Of course, no, not to Old Republic and Mass Effect 1 and stuff, but like that, in my opinion, was the last good game that Bioware has ever done. Anyway, with that being said, I, I think that was a great question because it almost it lends is. itself well to its own topic. And but it's, 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 a very, it's a very almost subjective thing because of how you can break it down. No, it is. Just, it is. And that's what I was thinking of is that like it seems that single-player games are not dead. They never will be. Um, and I don't think that any game is going to impact the industry as much as it can anymore just because... At the end of the day, there's going to be developers and studios who do what they want to do. But uh, we'll get on to the last question real quick. I'm going to choose one, if you don't mind. You've already chosen one, good sir. You did too. This is, but this is my segment. Okay, fine. Go ahead, go ahead. What, what, what I think choose? you'll like the question. Uh, has podcasting changed? This is from Loki Fender. Thanks, man. Uh, has podcasting changed the way you play video games? Nope. It never will either. This is what the I... Only, the only thing that it will and it has and will impact is the urgency to play a game for a review slash impressions. That's it. It's, I know that when we get done recording here, we're going to go out and get some dinner. I'm going to go back home and finish up God of War. So on Wednesday, when we record the impressions, I know I'm ready same. And we won't, to respect the game enough to give my impressions on it. And same thing. We will not do an impressions episode if, if we've we're not, not gotten far enough yeah, in you, to feel like we're like, comfortable to talk. We're not recording it now at all because, like he said, he's four hours in. I, I feel like I'm 50 hours in, but I feel like I'm only 12 hours, 13 hours in realistically. Yeah, so I mean... Um, and it's just, it's th- that's the only way that I feel like it will or can impact my gaming. I don't think it's going to change the way I play games except for that. And it's not even a way I change it, it's just the way I change my schedule in a way. It's like, okay, I yeah, need to play more of that way. for this reason instead of... I need to slog through this game real quick to do an impression. It's not even that kind of mentality. It's let me go ahead and like, you know what? I'm going to play some Fortnite tonight, but I, I'm going to play a little bit more God of War just to get the impressions. Yeah. To get, to get farther in the game to get more impressions. Sure. On. And I, that's basically where mine is too. I mean, I've always played games in a sense, ever since I've been able to afford buying games myself, I was used to growing up having to play games well after they came out because I couldn't afford them at launch. So one of the things I've been, you know, I, I won't say bad about because I mean, it's, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I, I now am, I get very excited about games when I read and follow up on them. And then when they when they release, I go ahead and hop on them. I will say with Saul, there is a little bit more of an urgency to get done. That doesn't change the way I'm playing God of War. I could just be trying to rush through and get the story done, which in a game like God of War wouldn't hurt because you can still go back and do everything when you're done. But instead of doing that, I am still opting to explore and go out of my way to look for things just because I want to. And I don't want to change the way I play games completely because then it starts to change the way that games are, in my mind, the way that I see the games and view the games, which will undoubtedly change the way that I want to tell others about the game. So I think that's a great question. I don't know. It is, yeah. It, and it's certainly interesting. I, and like I said, it's 
it's uh, a fun way to look at it too because I think that some people would have that stipulation that it may make us focus differently or think of games differently, but not exactly. A little bit, little bit less time to play games if anything else. So now, Saul, we will move into the main topic, and that is basically market, market saturation. saturation. <laughs> Jinx Ping's po joke, you owe me a Coke. All right, so Saul, with, with market saturation, I mean, I know we both are aware of what it is, but in case people don't, because some people may not understand the terminology, but what the basic idea behind market saturation is is that you get – and it's oversaturation should be what we say is oversaturation yeah. in the market. Oh, so yeah. what you'll see, uh, and this happens across all industries, is that something will come out. It'll do way better than it was anticipated. And then you'll see this company do really well with this for a point in time until the other companies can start to do the same thing or iterate on the same idea and then do their own version of it. And then what they'll do, they do that across the board and it gets to the point where what was so, what was once special and unique about it has now become so bland that it becomes to be, it, it comes to be an issue. Now, some people can say, and I just wanted to get this out real quick. I do think that there's a difference between following a trend like Battle Royale, which is not a genre, and I will, and there's a very big difference. I think it because is because some people go over genre, but no, Battle Royale is a is a sub play styles, or if you wanted to use the word subgenre of a genre, the genre is third person shooting. Not always. If though. you wanted to put it, in, if you wanted to put it into a first person thing, you could. But I mean. To me, and I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to hear what you have to say, and maybe you'll sway me on this. A genre is, that comes down more to exactly how you play it and the way in which. So, if you, you know, when someone says a third person isometric, all right? Right. You're playing a third person up. Now, that's a, a, that's a camera style more than a genre, but some people will view that as a genre. But what's the genre typically in those games, right? You go into dungeon crawlers I would, yeah. or things like that. So there's a, a genre SRPG. comes into more of what the game is trying to do. Now, genres can have sections of other games. But with all that being said, I feel like while you can take this Battle Royale thing and just plant it into other areas... It doesn't necessarily mean that it's its own genre or anything. I think I feel like it 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 lies in its own weird area of a specific play style because is team deathmatch a genre? That's uh, if you really think about what battle royale is attempting no, to do. No, but a lot of these games aren't built around team deathmatch. A lot of people play the capture the flag or domination. Sure, sure but I'm saying, or... but did, all this is is typically speaking some form of a hundred people fighting each other in some form or fashion, right? We've already seen that well, when we saw deathmatch. So is deathmatch a genre? Because deathmatch now can be broken into team deathmatch, all for one deathmatch, and whoever gets the most kills wins. I mean, you already see proliferation of this across all online services. It's not a genre; it's a play style. Well, it's think, a game. It's a game mode. Basically, I, yeah, that can be I broken think, into more game modes. I think that since it's somewhat of an original premise, though, that and and so many of these games focus only on that. PUBG, yeah, and, and I'm Fortnite, not saying this as a I'm not saying this to the Fortnite detriment has of a the experience. Single player, though, is what I'll say. I mean, I'm not saying it to be pejorative about what it is. I'm saying that is what it is. It's a game mode that can be broken down. So deathmatch came right, and then you go, okay, well, instead of just fighting everybody, what if we just made it to where groups of people could fight each other and that's what i mean if you think about it, battle royales 100 people all right you're 100 people fighting each other 100 people you're you're one person fighting 99 others and it continues to dwindle all right well now we can make that to where it's 50 and 50 fighting each other or two and two fighting Which each Fortnite other. did and so, Fortnite did <laughs> exactly what i mean though is that that's why i say it's a game mode that can be broken down so going into what the actual topic is though and i just felt like that was important to put in there uh we're what we're seeing is market oversaturation of this because you are seeing 
PUBG come out and be the breakout success, but it was still an unfinished game. Right. Uh, and it still remains to be an unfinished game. Then you see Fortnite come out, an entirely different type of game. It was actually it launched with a single player and an idea behind that. And then you see them take it and spin the idea on its head because they go, oh, man, we can actually take this and we can inject that same style into this, but also keep what Fortnite was already known for. And we have our own game style. So, bam, what do you see? Fortnite does it. Now you're seeing countless clones on the, on the iOS say, market, the Android market. Fortnite really showed up PUBG, too, with how polished it was. Yeah, well, and, and it does show that it's because it, Epic were the first people from a reputable publisher Excuse that me. said, we're going to put our efforts into this, and PUBG does not, is not afforded that same thing. Even though they had no. money coming in, they are probably they're less experienced. PUBG was like based off of a mod. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah, you're looking is, at these which ideas. Which is Daisy. Yeah. So when you're looking at these. Oh, well, Arma. Yeah, whatever. Arma 3. But when you're looking at all that, you're seeing it break down. It's like, yes, you, you see a team that has the manpower and the money that they can put behind this, and they can literally make this this, this crazy thing. But when you're looking at other people now trying to play catch-up and games that do it yearly, and Call, Call of Duty's not going to break out and make a Call of Duty Battle Royale only. They're going to try and put that into a game so you have to buy their game, right? So now what are you seeing? You're seeing Call of Duty have this, uh, or at least rumored to have, uh, no storyline. That's one thing. And in lieu of that, and, and that's probably partially because of how scared they are that people are going to react to where the story decides to go, they're also wanting to implant a Battle Royale game mode in. Well, what other games have we heard to be rumored that way? We don't necessarily know for true, but we saw Grand Theft Auto get one, right? We saw Grand Theft Auto get some Yeah, form. for a while there, which was crazy. Yeah, and then you're hearing word that Red Dead Redemption 2 will have one ready at launch. Which I'm curious if that was a test almost, to kind of see if they could do it in Ma- Grand Theft Auto. And maybe, yeah, maybe so. And then you're seeing games... What's interesting is... Call of Duty, and then very quickly followed Battlefield right behind them. That's what I was about to say. So quickly, like in the two weeks, within two weeks. So you have two different, you know, uh, big name shooters that are trying to follow this. Red Dead Redemption, which isn't a first person shooter, but it's trying to follow this as well. Right. And you're seeing so many games take this idea and try to implant it. What we are verging on is uh, is the problem of. Rocket League Battle Royale. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and, and it's funny. What's realistically going to happen, and, and it's funny that this is going down because it's almost, it's almost ironic that the idea of the Battle Royale is to drop a bunch of people in and see who's victorious. That, and that's what these games are doing. What are we doing? You're seeing a bunch of people. are dropping in, and then the ones that are surviving are staying. And out of curiosity, I looked it up on Twitch real quick. Um, Fortnite is currently streaming number one spot sure, on Twitch sure. with 232,550 people. Going all the way down the next... Is that playing or viewing? That's that's playing. Or no, that's viewing. Okay, that's view, okay. total I'm viewers. I'm curious, I'm curious. Yeah, there's not 232,000 people streaming, streaming Fortnite. That'd be nuts. Um, and then you go all the way down to number 11 on the list with PUBG, 38,000. Ooh, yeah. That is enormous. And that, I think, is going to be a deciding factor in this market saturation that we're getting is the quality. And Fortnite launched and worked pretty well there was a couple of glitches here and there like if you if you pressed x on a door like double tapped x every now and then the door would open but you couldn't close it in fortnite uh i ran into that problem i know joe ran into that problem um and a, a big part of fortnite which is what i've said I, I really i still to this day get annoyed at is the building and that's because when you are coming up upon somebody it is very easily to get outplayed by them if they just start building and i have seen Fights that have lasted 30 seconds of, do, of them doing nothing but building and then ending off with a shotgun kill. 
It's kind of like, that's kind of annoying. Like you're sitting there and you're building up, you're both building your, like not towers, but you're building structures up like stairs and walls and stuff to protect yourself. And you're kind of going up at the same time until one player inevitably drops down and kills the other. And to me, that's not super exciting. Um, I think, I think that I know that I know there's a, uh, a streamer named Ninja who had like a million viewers at one point in Fortnite alone, um, watching him and he plays like that. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of it, and that's what the game is. No, don't run. And there's a skill to that. I will say. No, yeah, there is it's, it's, definitely a skill to that. that. That is very hard to do. Um, I still am trying to get it down and I've been playing Fortnite since a week before it was free. Like I bought, I paid the 30 or $40 to buy the, actual the original game. game. Yeah. yeah. To get the battle royale for free. And that game in this current state is pretty polished. There's meta changes people don't like, and they'll say that it's broken. That's just meta stuff. But for I mean, PUBG, on the other hand, and this is from my experience, I've played both of these games. I played Fortnite way more than PUBG, but um, PUBG I played a lot of. I think my Steam said like 34 hours the last time I checked. That's a lot of matches. I ran into countless things going wrong. Um, I have had one time in which I was placed inside of the blast area, which is this red bubble on the map. And the second I was placed into it, I was killed. But no blast was around me. Don't know what happened. I was not killed by a player. I don't know what happened. I have had it where I'm driving. And as I'm driving, I hit this little ramp. And I go up. And when I went up, I hit the ground. And when the vehicle hits the ground, I'm just dead. And I says I got ran over. Now, what game is this? PUBG? PUBG. Wow. I've never once been killed in Fortnite because of a lame reason. Like, I feel like every time I've died in Fortnite, it's because of something of my fault. Yeah, so it's um, one that it's polished versus unpolished. It's very polished. And what I'm really curious about is that... Or really, I'll say working versus unworking. <laughs> well, no, Fortnite works, and it works well, and it runs well on my PC and well, stuff. So, like, you talking about PUBG, I mean? Yeah, 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 so, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it runs well. Sure. A lot of people say that it, it it's terrible. I've never had it not run well. It's the glitches and stuff inside the game in which it's bad. Um, it is very poorly unoptimized too, and it looks pretty bad compared to Fortnite. Fortnite can get away with it because the the art style, the Fortnite art style, sure. is pretty creative, smart, pretty, pretty they cute. Were smart. They were um, smart. It leverages them a lot, but and, sure. it, and there's there's cool aspects of it. like there's a John Wick skin in Fortnite for level 100. Sure. So if you see a John Wick, you're like, uh oh, going away from that guy because he's obviously pretty good um but what i'm curious about is that this november there may be potentially two to three more new battle royale games coming out and major studios are involved how polished they will be because what has been scratching my itch with fortnite i mean with PUBG that i really really like is how tactical it can be if call of duty or battlefront field comes out and they're tactical and they're polished that could steal me away because I want nothing more than to be able to sit there with teammates and say, like, he ran into that building over there. And a polished, and, finished experience. And with, like, a silenced rifle, take him out, which is, in Fortnite, you know, it has that unexpected thing of, like, oh, he saw me that one up there? Build stairs up to me. Like, there's always that unexpected, like, I like tactical-style stuff like that. And that's what I'm looking for. You know, I'm curious if it gets announced. What's funny is we're talking about that there's too many of them coming and they're flooding the market. You know, right. that's, that's the thing is that they're that's basically what we mean by you know uh, market oversaturation. But uh, they're flooding the market. But you, the more you actually talk about that, and it doesn't mean I want it by any standard. But it, the games that I actually am like this makes the most sense to go in are not Call of Duty and not Battlefield. SOCOM. Yeah, that would be amazing if so. SOCOM uh, so if it came back as a battle for or. I keep saying battle, so many battle yeah. names. If it came back as a battle royale game, that'd be amazing. You drop in. To That's like, how Sony revives the franchise. Another SOCOM I confrontation would, style I, game, I, but I would buy it with a with a battle royale. Think mode. of like me, you, John, and 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 Ryan all on a squad together going. 
versus 96 other people. And we're in this desolated desert area with buildings all around and stuff. It's funny. It's a, SOCOM is basically exactly what you're talking about. It's PUBG just polished. That, and that's the crazy thing is that PUBG has those cool things like the lean, like Rainbow Six does. And it has things that you like. It has yeah. the bullet drop off. You have to be in Fortnite has that as well. But you have to be tactical in Fortnite or in PUBG. In Fortnite, there's always that little unsuspecting thing. Just yesterday, me and Joe were playing. Joe made it down. I, I died around like player number eight or nine, I think. But Joe made it all the way down to player number three, and we were in duos, which means he was him versus a team of people. So what what happened? Well, he's in this forest, the Wailing Woods area of the map, and that tree or that area is flooded with trees, and they're big. He's hiding behind a tree, and of course it's third person, so he's shoulder peeking out. And what does the other player start doing? Shooting at the trees, blowing them up. Like, and I don't mean like shooting with rocket launchers. They just start shooting bullets in the trees, so the bullet, the trees explode. So they're very quickly taking out his cover. But then what happens? They run down there. They don't shoot him because they know they could do this. They build walls around him and place traps on those walls, and the traps kill him. <laughs> so it's hilarious, but at the same time, it's That's like, tactical. It is kind of tactical, yeah. Sure. Okay, um, but now I, I want to flip it back around to kind of what we were starting. I mean, because I get, yeah, can they be done well? Sure. I mean, I'm sure they oh, can. Yeah. I haven't played Fortnite. I mean, I'll, I'll throw that in going up. I've not played it at all. I've not played PUBG either. They don't necessarily call to me by any standard, which is, but they might. Who which knows? is crazy. For I know one of your big complaints with Rainbow Six is there's too much downtime. But in this game, there's there's, there's no downtime. There's almost no downtime. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a just, minute I mean, in between games, basically. Okay, but but going back, you know, it's funny. This actually basically brings Sean's question back up, but we're wording it. We're gonna we're gonna change the wording. It's gonna be the same question, but now that you're seeing the success of all these games of Fortnite and PUBG, I mean, you saw PUBG, which obviously led to uh, Fortnite uh, and Fortnite coming in well, and doing it. It's not, it's not flooding the market. Daisy was the original, the OG. Sure, which, sure. Which, if it wasn't for Daisy, PUBG would not be a thing. Yeah. Which is so. why it's crazy. PUBG is going crazy with lawsuits right now. They're suing people because of a, a frying pan in a game. It's like literally Team Fortress did that before you did. Yeah. So anyway, with that be, with that stuff being said, though, I mean, you're seeing PUBG come out and be the smash hit success that it is, right? And then from there, you see it move along into Fortnite. Fortnite and it are and even even you know um, whatever it is. Daisy was it Daisy or H one Z one? Oh, the more I think about it, H one C one. Anyway, so anyway, with that being said, um, you know, I, you, you I think you, you see, so you have those three, but really, who are the two contenders right now? Two, right? And PUBG and Fortnite are fine. That actually makes sense. They they stand to serve very different things. Fortnite has building and is more cartoonish and and a little more crazy. Where you see PUBG is trying to be gritty and real. So what happens when you start to see Battlefield and Call of Duty both trying to do this gritty and real thing? What and then Red Dead Redemption Two, which will probably be gritty and real. Now you're starting to actually see Fortnite become even more of the outlier because they're the only one that looks and feels different, right? I guess it would be to mention that a lot of these were mods from Armor 2, but Minecraft also did this a long time ago, Hunger Games. Oh. Which is sure. what exactly what the movie is, which is based off of the Japanese film called Battle Royale. So it's a big old story. So with that being said, though, so, you know, I think that that was just an interesting thing that I brought up, that Fortnite will actually, by the end of this, act, end up being the game that looks the most unique right. of all of them. And but... What it is, so you see PUBG's massive success, and then you see that go into Fortnite. So now you have two games. So you see the Battle Royale mode be a success. How does that affect the, how does that affect the game industry? Well, we're already seeing it, because now what do we have? We have Radical Heights as well. So Radical Heights, I guess, is the one example of a game that actually does sit somewhere in the realm of what Fortnite's trying to do, which is more goofy, more zany. Which is crazy, too, because I'm, I'm 99% sure that I read that it's using the exact same epic games engine oh probably cliff's old company I mean, why, why wouldn't it be i mean yeah. cliffy knows how to work on it so why wouldn't he 
I just I don't that game leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Five month passion project. Well, sure, but let's just say it for what it is. I mean, if you think about it, that's exactly what uh, Fortnite Battle Royale was. I mean, it was a very short spurt of a here's a game that we already have. So yes, we're not having to build graphics and we're not having to build up what we want the visual style to look like. We've already got that, but now we got to figure out what we want it to look like when you're building. How do we implement right. building? How do we do this? So, but it was a very quick path to a game to follow a trend, right? So, right. With all that being said, though, I mean you're seeing the effect of it way quicker than you're seeing the effect of God of War. And that's what I was getting at, you know, with his, with his question is basically coming into this is that yes, God of War will have an impact. And, and so does the battle Royale games, but the battle Royale games are so much easier to put together and output that the market flooding happens so much quicker. And because it is a fad to an extent, and it really is. It this, is. This market oversaturation happening so quickly and, and all of them being the same idea because the difference of single-player story-driven games is that they can still be wildly different. It can be a really great first-person shooter narrative-driven, right. right? Like what Metro Exodus is probably aiming say, for. And even look at like third-person, like Spec Ops Online. Sure, you see a game like that. Then you see games like God of War that are trying to spin this more RPG style. Then you see these open world games that have very heavy RPG influence. It's like The Witcher 3 coming out. Exactly. And you have Horizon, which is open world, but also has its own sci-fi. spin on combat. It's yeah. sci-fi. You have way more options to, to branch out when you go over a single big umbrella than you do when you go Battle Royale umbrella. What are we going to do? Right. None of these games are going to be... Because it's always the same thing. Well, no, yeah, none of these it's games the are aimed route. towards having a story anyway, right? Right. So now It'd it's just which one ridiculous. can out mechanic the other. Well, I mean, I guess Fortnite technically does have a story mode, but it doesn't actually have anything to do with its battle royale. Right? Mode. Yeah. So that's my point being. Um, so, and, and I mean, and I guess yeah, you'll see Call of Duty's go- well, it won't have a story. Battlefield. Supposedly, yeah. Now, did the Battlefield rumor? That's one thing I didn't see. Did the Battlefield rumor say that Battlefield would not have a story? Is that what it said? I don't know. Oh, okay. I couldn't tell if that was a question you're you, asking. You, yeah. You, um, now I don't know about that either. Battlefield or battle? Yeah, Battlefield stories to me have always been kind of more for the gameplay than anything else. Um, but I do know that Call of Duty 4 is kind of odd not having a story. I still think that they're going to package Modern Warfare 2 Remastered with it, and you're going to get the story with that as well for like the 80 bucks, which won't be a bad deal. I mean, when you think about it, you get Modern Warfare Remastered story, or 2's story, which was fantastic. You get... Uh, but see, the, the you multiplayer, said that which was also good. But why would they do this? That, why would they aim? Because I, I did not play. Why would Black they market as a story though? Why would they market the Modern Warfare Two story as the story for the game? Because I didn't play Black Ops Three. I don't know if the story left anything. I don't know if the story was closed. So I, I don't. I don't Treyarch would just deviate from the Black Ops name. From what which, I've been told, there should they should be able to continue. All the Black Ops games have been loosely connected. Well, because Black Ops so One wonder, happened during, I wonder if the you know, story the arc, or Vietnam story War or whatever. But I wonder if the Black Ops Three story was closed in a way that it doesn't need it doesn't need it to be connected again. Like, well, twos if, and threes, is from what I understand, aren't connected that way. You know, well, what no, I mean? I'm just so, saying. Like, I wonder, I wonder if that, since their stories are that kind of formula, they don't you don't really necessarily have to have a story. Like, I mean, maybe, but why not have a story I w- I in a say, game that... Because here's the problem. What do we already see Black Ops 3 do? Black Ops 3 did not have a campaign on the PS3 disc, but how much did it cost? Do you remember? 60 bucks, I'm sure. No, it's $50, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, was it? And I will look that up to be absolutely sure, but if it, if not, it was 40 So regardless, you were paying over half of what the game cost, and you were missing half of what the game was, technically. Yeah, and it's, it varies game by game, and that is something very subjective in my mind, is that if a game is $60 for multiplayer only, I think that it's worth it for some games and worth it, not worth it for others because that's all based on my opinion and subjectivity of the game. Um, so, like... If a Call of Duty game came out and it did not have a story, that wouldn't phase me that much because the last time I really played a story 
other than Infinite Warfare, um, was probably Modern Warfare Two or Modern Warfare Three a little bit. I can't remember. I can't remember that story at all. Like they're not. It's something that like the real hardcore fan base that the company cares about. They know they're not going to play those stories, so they they don't include them. And all the people getting outraged that it doesn't have a story, eighty percent of those people probably don't even play the stories. And the other twenty percent of them are the hardcore fans of the stories that don't play the multiplayer. Uh, that that ratio is probably off. It's probably like sixty forty. Um, but a lot of players. Um, did you find anything out about it? Yeah, fifty dollars. That's what I thought. Yeah, so, fifty dollars for the same thing missing the storyline. So in their mind, the storyline is only worth ten dollars. Probably so. Yeah, that's insanity to me. Don't be wrong because the developers know but, that not but, a lot of people enjoy the stories. Now, now who am I? I? I'm I'm one person, right? Right. But I do know. Plenty of people who share the sentence to me. When I bought Infinity, uh, Infinite Warfare, I did not give a damn about the multiplayer. That multiplayer was bad, too. And the story was amazing. And that's why I bought the game. And I bought the game at $60 just to play this story. But you can't deny that the people who play the multiplayer over the story is much more. No, no, no. They are. But, but the reason that's, that's is why not have the both? About. Because what they're going to do is they're going to miss the sales of the people like us who just want to play a story. But there are gonna, a, in this turn, they're going to get the people who want Battle Royale games. Uh, I guess. Which could which which could differ a bit from the COD crowd. Maybe the COD crowd doesn't like battle royale games. So the, the, the market oversaturation for this. The one upside I can see for this is that it's going to happen so much. And we're going to have a year of just ugh from it. That is going to get. That is literally going to be next year. They're going to be trying to move so far away from it that will it'll and it'll the, kill and the it. Kings of the it'll it, kill it prematurely, which. It's actually a bad thing because if they would have done this slowly and let it be something that came naturally to games they actually worked on and tried doing, then maybe you could have seen Battle Royale games come out every now and then. They're all unique and more interesting and trying to put different spins on them. Right. But what you're going to see now is just this, what, this same, stupid oversaturation. Almost copy and paste. But the thing about it is the titans of this subgenre will stand when the rest falls. Like You're still going to have I Fortnite. I think that at the end Fortnite of the day. and PUBG will be the two that actually stay. I, I don't know now, about Pub, PUBG. is the, I guess, the more outlier. Well, but. and something else about Fortnite that is some, that's uh, kind of controversial at this current moment in time is that um, they announced that they will be bringing a region to China. I I've, I did hear that. And so people are saying that if it's not region law, because, and this is not racist, people are saying like, oh, that guy's so racist for saying, no. That PUBG China, has it's, problems? It's Yeah, and so like I said, like, get China away from our servers. It's people are like, oh, that's racist. Why would you say that? No. In China, it is perfectly acceptable to do what you need to do to win. And that means buying cheats. That means cheating yourself. If you won, they don't care what you did to win as long as you won. But that's that's in not PUBG. something That's here. the experience in PUBG, correct? That's the experience in almost every game that has China-based servers that's competitive. Okay. Interesting. Overwatch did the same thing. Um, uh, PUBG did it. Like, all these games that have these Chinese yeah, servers, of course, there's a lot of mods coming from China. China's servers. an important market. I mean, obviously. Right. It's well, huge. No, yeah, of course it is. And, and they have that. Uh, it's, I, I know, it's not a tradition or whatever. It's just that kind of different in ethics that... Cheating does not matter if you win. If you bought a cheat and you won, they don't care that you bought the cheat to win. It's that you won. That's what they care about. And well, I don't know us, about that, so I'm not going to go crazy into it. But I do. I did see that it's coming to China, not, which I, is going to cause issues. Because I've seen there's a there's a YouTuber named um, D D K something or D X something. Well, the other thing is having really, servers. He, and ready. he lives he lives in China, sure. and he tells you about these these kind of things that these hacks that people in like get in these big multiplayer competitive games like League of Legends. I don't know about Dota. Uh, he didn't say Dota, but all these other big games that have come out that it's perfectly acceptable to cheat as long as you're winning because that you have to do what you have to do to get ahead. And that's very different ethics-wise than what the rest of the world kind of thinks. 
So people are now saying that if it's not region locked in China, you're going to get a lot of cross hacking because people in China are going to be playing with you in the U.S. and there's going to be a lot of hackers. Hmm. So that's something that's going to be interesting in the Fortnite kind of thing here. Um, but I do think you're right. I do think that in less than a year, we're going to see titans of this subgenre stand while the rest fail. And I don't mean they're not going to be mildly played. They're going to fail. What do we see with hero shooters? Overwatch is still here. Battleborn. Lawbreakers. Gone. Obliterated. True. Um, you got Paladins that has a player base because it's free. And people don't want to like... Sure, people enjoy it. I understand that. But it's also a huge pull because it's free. Fortnite, same exact reason. Yeah. Um, so... I think that these titans of these of this current industry are going to stand. There's going to be one, maybe two, but if blue, I think it's blue hole because I get blue hole and blue point mixed up. Blue point did shadow. Yeah, blue hole does uh, PUBG. Um, if they don't correctly fix their game and fix out the kinks that people are complaining about and stuff of that nature, that the the player base will consume the game and it'll be gone. And then they'll move to Fortnite, which is what, judging by Twitch numbers, has already happened. Well, maybe. People care more about Fortnite than they do about PUBG, at least on a Twitch level. There is almost 200,000 people difference. Which in, is not in, which is not technically indicative of anything. I mean, because you do still have opinion. You, you, do well, have, you still it, have preference of style. It, it, but, yeah, of know. course, yeah. Uh, but, what, I think would happen, what I would think would happen even more is you'd get the one gritty realistic that does it the best, and then they would end up taking over, whether that be well, no, they, that, they know, would Call of Duty or what, Fortnite, but. Because Fortnite has that pull for people who like the building aspect. Who would, who like like me originally? I did not like the building aspect of the game. I thought it was dumb. I thought it was a waste of time. And I thought it was cheap. But now that it's like, well, I could also take the time to learn how to do it. It's fun. It's still irritating when I get killed because I'm outplayed. But it's still fun to learn how and get better. Uh, and that's why in that moment of time, I like PUBG more. Until it dawned on me, like you could learn how to do that. Why? Why don't you learn how to do that instead of like, why don't you? Fix the complaint you have of the game, which is fixable by you, instead of not playing the game. So I was like, okay, cool, I could do that. PUBG doesn't have that, so well, I was still more pulled to preference. PUBG. I mean, because yeah. I think that if it still came down to Fortnite, got way more tactical, you would still enjoy it more than just being like the building. Which I mean, the building has its own tactical aspects, right? And, and don't but, get me wrong, I don't you, know. You could still be tactical in, in Fortnite. You do shoulder peeking. You could do all kinds of things. Don't get me wrong on that end. I'm just talking about from more of a military style shooting game. Yeah, I got um, you. I understand. But so I am curious to as. Maybe this topic could be revisited in a year. And I think it, that's actually a, a winner, smart idea. Winner of Battle Royale. Yeah, and see who, see who still stands. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm interested. We want to hear what y'all guys think about the Battle Royale thing. I know we've heard a couple of y'all in our Discord chat. Uh, what do you think about Red Dead possibly having it? Grand Theft Auto already having it? How do you think they handle well, it? Well, it doesn't so, have I mean, it anymore, I don't think. I don't. I see, and I don't. I don't know. But how did you like it, and how do you think that they will be implementing it into Red Dead if that does become true? If the rumors are true for Call of Duty and Battlefield, how do you think that? What do you think that means for the games? Do you play those games? Do you think it will affect your enjoyment of the games, or do you hope that they're separate and they kind of let the normal multiplayer handle its own way? I don't know how they would do that. Uh, but we'd like to hear in the comments below if you would if you listen to this in podcast services. Uh, find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. Hit us up there. We'd love to hear y'all's feedback. Uh, one of the things that we used to do. Uh, just to f- officially throw this out there, uh, Sean actually ended up asking us. I was going to get um, to that in the email, but yeah, yeah we'll go ahead and do it here. Sean asked us, uh, you know, do we not uh, 
what we what we did uh, when we were first doing the podcast is we would actually put the topic of the show up uh, a few days in advance uh, so that y'all would be able to tell us y'all's thoughts ahead of time. Uh, but what we found is when we got some schedule crunches around the holidays and weren't able to quite do that, uh, that we were yeah way. it benefited us because we were able to be more flexible to where. If something big happened right before we were going to record, we can go ahead and change and the flip topic. over to that, and we can still hear y'all's feedback uh, afterwards. So we right. think it's which the best what, of both worlds. Which is what we really want, because now you're not only involved in the topic and what you think about it, but you're involved in the conversations we had, which you previously did not get. Yeah, sure. So, just yeah, it's just different Twitter. information. And y'all can so, give us information that maybe we aren't seeing or are thinking about. Right. We definitely love that, too. Uh, like one callback, and I do think it's important to say this to some extent if y'all are still listening. Um is that uh, World In did mention something that I do think is worth mentioning, but I'm going to say my take on it, and then saw if you got one. Sure. Um, but in regards to the last episode, which is about the console wars, uh, one of the things he said is that one of the reasons that you see people do this, and I do agree with this, is that humans by nature, uh, we like to socialize, but we were tribal people. Since that's not necessarily how we do things anymore, we look for weird ways to go outside of just typical violence and actually say, okay, well, we're going to align with this, we're going to align with this, and now we'll fight this way. It doesn't have to quite be violent, but it can just be, you know, pejorative and mean-spirited and all that. So you see people fight that way because of a primal need to get with what they see as a group and a tribe that they are building around and fight with other tribes Uh I get what he's saying, and I do completely agree that that is part of the reason as to why, like I said, you see youth tend to get to this easier. Uh, and I think that that is because with maturity that goes away. Uh, and he, you know, he said it was wisdom, but my actual mindset is that it's maturity. Maturity. Uh, so you know, with time comes maturity, and with maturity comes wisdom. Right. And wisdom is what makes you be able to look and go, I can see that yes, I have a preference, and I, and I can have a preference, and I can align myself with something else, but I don't have to actively attack the be, others. So. Be recognizing when you're wrong and admitting to something. Yeah, so I mean, I think that those things kind of come together. But if you have your own take on that as well, I would like to hear it because the console wars are a very fascinating thing. They are. And I know everyone has their own opinions on them. So It's uh, crazy too because no matter what you do or say, Nintendo just does their own thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. They're not like back, even involved. Back in the P- GameCube games, you know, there are games on the GameCube that look great that compete with PS2 and Xbox, but... Now it's completely different. It's it's, it's just a weird it's world. Like they're on their own. Their own well, generation. and they got behind. You know, they didn't. It's funny we're going with that, but they didn't end up doing what everyone else did. They did not put a lot of money into their online infrastructure, whereas PlayStation and Xbox did. Uh, PlayStation, as a result of Xbox doing it, because they wanted to stay competitive. Nintendo didn't. They wanted right. to be competitive by being awkward and weird. But anyway, that's enough of that. This has been episode fifty-six of Triangle Squared, and until next week, we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you.